The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Found financial food for thought. My name is Mark Dowling. This um, name of our company is the Estate Planning Team Incorporated. And how are you doing this Labor Day weekend? I, I, it's hard to believe. It's is America even excited about this Labor Day weekend? Now uh, we are taping the show on Friday morning, kicking off the Labor Day weekend. And we'll be talking a little bit about who are some of the boys of the summer this year. I, and I'm calling this, you know, the dark summer. The Delta dark summer, right? I mean, we had last year, we thought things couldn't get much worse with the Rona recession. But then as soon as we started feeling a little bit better, and, and, and literally health-wise better, but also financially somewhat better, you know, we saw the beach ball bounce recovery, the stock market, which was, was down, what, 35% in the, the peak to trough during the Rona recession last in the March of 2020. And then by the end of the year, it was double digits. Don't, I mean, don't look now, but uh, the, the, the market's, you, you know, double digits again, <laughs> you know, year to date. I mean, it's so much for uh, selling May and go away. Remember that old adage? Well, what is the what is the Dow, S and P five hundred, Nasdaq? What have they done since May of this year? They've done nothing but gone up. You know, the Dow. You know, through August, you know, the the Dow was up four point three percent in that time period. The S and P five hundred is up eight point one seven percent in that time period, and the Nasdaq was up nine point two nine percent in that period. And of course, the year to date numbers are all in double digits. But yet, there is still a lot of uncertainty. And there's a lot of uh, darkness out there. So, so I guess I'm calling this show today the lost Labor Day weekend. Now, I'm flying solo today. So Carrie Waddell, my partner in crime, is spending She's got the weekend off, the long weekend, enjoying her family. She's in all that back to school stuff, too. I'm all done with that. But we could also take a thermometer meeting of what is the state of the U.S. labor market today? Because it, it could directly or at least indirectly affect your financial planning going forward. And, and you know, we can talk about the, the, the lackluster jobs report or you know that we got this week we can talk about what's what happened to the infrastructure plan right and that's where i kind of want to start because i talked i've been talking about this for a while you know the is the infrastructure one which is the bipartisan 
which is a somewhat modest, <laughs> if you could say that, $1.2 trillion. But yet the more controversial, which is that doesn't have any Republican support, which is the soft infrastructure or the human infrastructure or just infrastructure too, which is the $3.5 trillion. And we got a little news. We always say that one of the important voices out there, maybe even more important than President Biden in terms of power in getting one or both of these infrastructure packages done, and that's Senator Joe Manchin out of West Virginia. Yeah, unsurprisingly, given the fact of some of the other uh, rhetoric we've heard from Senator Manchin, remember earlier this month he sent that letter to Fed Chair Jay Powell about the worries about rising inflation. So what he said in West Virginia, because he's on recess right now, he said, hit the pause button. Well, I just hit the pause button because, yeah, when they're on recess? I mean, maybe it's more important. Maybe we have issues going on in this country that... Do you think maybe Congress could skip one or two recesses? But I guess that's asking too much. Let's sit back. Let's see what happens. We have so much on our plate. We really have an awful lot. I think that would be the prudent, wise thing to do. So he said he's worried about runaway inflation. He also seems to be worried about the fact that national security uncertainty and what the Democrats have on their plate right now, given the hasty withdrawal from Afghanistan. But this is the clearest we've seen yet from Senator Manchin about that $3.5 trillion just being too high from him. We definitely knew that that was unsettling for him, but this is definitely going to be a point of contention because remember, they cannot lose his vote. The Democrats need his vote, and the Vice President Kamala Harris will be the tie-breaking vote here. So this is really a key moment, and as we've all been saying, this sets up just a showdown in Washington to come in the weeks ahead. Right, you say that it's a pivotal moment, it's a showdown. How much of a wrench does it throw in Biden's broader economic plan here, Anne-Marie? Well, it's a big deal because they have this two-prong approach, right? The president had said that, then had to walk it back. But Speaker Pelosi has said she wants to stick by that. And the progressives in the House say they will not approve the bipartisan infrastructure agreement, which has broad support, until they see that reconciliation package. And this is what Joe Manchin is getting at the heart of, because he says $3.5 trillion is just too much. Now, potentially, this is leverage. He's going to maybe go along with reconciliation, but this is his way of saying three point five trillion dollars is just too high, which, to be honest, everyone I talk to in Washington says they think at some point they will get this. The Democrats will not yeah. squander this moment, but they're just not going to get three point five. Okay. All right. So that seems to be the leading opinion is is that we will have infrastructure package passed. The bipartisan we think will pass. Now, remember, there's no tax increases in the bipartisan deal. That's all going to be done with money they already have or money they're going to print. But the $3.5 trillion, very progressive package, there is certainly been talk from the Democrats that they're going to raise taxes to help pay for that. And now you still have President Biden's pledge that no taxpayer making under $400,000 would see any tax increases. And we, he's also, but we, you know, do you believe him? The other one is too, is that certainly there would be corporate income tax increases. And that a lot of people think trickles down to hurting everybody if corporate taxes go up because corporations then raise their prices to compensate for the more taxes or the less net income that they have. And that then, which leads to further price increases or inflation. But we also had a very lackluster labor report from the uh, from the the jobs report this week. And you know, it's it's not only we 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 it's now it was only, it was a triple witching labor report this week. So remember, always the first week of the month. There's three important data points that come out. You have the ADP report that usually comes out on Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday of the week. And then you have the weekly jobless claims report that always comes out weekly on Thursday. And then the first Friday of the month, generally, you have the monthly jobs report. And that's the one that a lot of economists were saying 
is going to matter because the federal re- this will be the last jobs report you know August being that will be released the information data released before the Federal Reserve meets again in September I believe it's the 22nd and so everyone is is living on it, it, the idea of what is the Federal Reserve going to do when are they going to taper when are they going to raise interest rates? And I talked a lot about this last week on this show. And I said, well, yeah, just because, you know, lifting off, in other words, starting to taper, reducing their uh, asset purchases does is not the same thing as saying that they're ready to raise interest rates. That's it's not the same thing. And, you know, a lot of people were concerned that, oh, when they heard Federal Reserve uh, Jay Powell talking about it, maybe that's starting to talk about tapering they were saying up oh, here we go you know interest rates are going to go up inflation is going to go up hold on i don't know if that's going to happen so what happened with the triple witching labor report data this week well it started with adp and that was a big downside surprise it's coming in at three hundred seventy-four thousand new jobs where the economists were looking for six hundred twenty-five thousand. so that started the bad news right then we had the weekly jobless claims. Now, this is, this is reverse. This is um, actual people, not new jobs like the ADP. And the, this is people filing claims for uh, jobless claims, right? So the, the economists were expecting about 345,000 new claims, you know, below that four. Remember, we were, we, below the 400,000, we were stuck on 400,000 plus for a long time during the dark summer. And then we saw it all of a sudden it dipped below 400,000. It's been consistently below 400,000. Well, what did the actual come in at? Right about expected, 340,000. So no real upside surprise there. Okay, it wasn't a downside. It wasn't disappointing, but it also wasn't an exciting jobless claims. So then that leads into the monthly jobs report. Now here again, the range was pretty wide, what the economists thought could happen. On the low side, it was about 400,000 new non-farm payrolls. On the high side, some economists were projecting a million. Now, that sort of would have made President Biden feel a lot better this week if we had a million jobs created in August. Unfortunately, it didn't really work out that way. It came in at 235,000. Ouch. That was a big, big downside surprise. All right. Um, Now, granted, the previous month was revised upward. Okay. So with, it was about 110,000. It was a big up revision from the previous month. So that took last month, so that took the previous months up over that million dollars. That's what the, the number Biden, remember when, when it was 900 some thousand the previous month, Biden came out on that Friday and said, yep, yeah, see, see what I said, everything's, everything's going great. Uh, I don't think he's going to come out today because we're taping the show on Friday. I'm not sure he's going to come out today and talk much about the 235,000. But if you even add the revision into this month's dismal 235 to make it 345, that's still below the lowest projection estimate of 400,000. Um, and, and it was also confusing because the unemployment rate actually ticked down to 5.2%. And a lot of people are scratching their heads and saying, you know, what's happening? Why, how does that happen? How is the unemployment rate going down, yet we only had 235,000 new farm payrolls? Well, a lot of experts just said it, they blamed the course on, who are we blaming everything on? The virus. And just saying that in the numbers, the hospitality and the uh, entertainment or the restaurant end of the jobs slow down. So, and, and, and a lot of people are saying, see, this is that beach ball bounce recovery. In other words, the beach ball is, has already reached its peak and now it's on the way back down, selling back down to normal. And, you know, so that's what, so we'll talk a little bit about more of that today. All right. So you're listening to Mark Donnelly and this is financial food for thought. There's a couple of things here. Uh, before we go on, one is the fact that we're starting 
our classes up again. So we haven't had the public classes since, of course, March of 2020 when the Rona shut down everything. And we thought it was time because we had a lot of people asking us and we had a lot of people, you know, getting in, you know, trying to, you know, see, okay, I need to know, Mark, if I can retire. Right. And, and there's, and we, we, we were, <laughs> it's the phenomenon called the great resignation. Right. And, and it's one of the reasons why people are saying that's, you know, one of the reasons why we had such low new jobs is because there's a lot of people that not, are not looking to go back to work. Right. There's a lot of baby boomers who say, that's it. I'm done. I can't do it, Mark. I can't go back to the job. They've been home for a while. They liked working at home. Now, some of them who are lucky enough to continue to work at home, work remotely, that'll keep them in the game longer. But the ones who the, the, the corporate offices are saying, that's it. Forget about working home. Get back into the office back to the, you know, 60 hour work weeks and back to, you know, we've got to cover the, for the people that aren't coming back in. There's a lot of baby boomers are saying, I can't do it. Can I retire? Do I have enough to retire? So part of that is, is understanding how your IRAs or your tax qualified plans, you know, we use IRAs broadly. It's a very important, it's a key part of you being okay in retirement. Because if you're lucky enough to have one of those defined benefit pension plans, God bless you. But most workers today do not have that. So they've got their social security and we'll talk a little bit about that today. And they've got their qualified plans. They're either their 401ks or their 403bs or their simples or their SEPs. And perhaps they've started a Roth IRA or have a Roth 401k in addition to the traditional 401k. Now, maybe they do have a pension, but they have a pension election to make. And they, they want to know, hey, do I take the lump sum or do I take the annuity payout? So a lot of questions about that. So we are going to start up the classes again. And we're doing our first two in September. The first one will be Thursday, September 16th, and that's an evening program. It'll begin at 6 p.m., go to about 8.30. just depends on how many questions. We, and we're not sure how many people are going to show up. We have limited seating, so don't wait because we're, we're not sure. Um, some, people, you know, some people have been waiting for us to, to start them up again, so we know they're coming, but we've got to, you know, we've got to keep it socially distant. So we're, we're it's going to be a, a reduce. So if you're interested, please you know, give us a, a call. Um, I'll give you the number to write down in a minute, or you can go to our website, financialfoodforthought.com. But the first one again, Thursday, September 16th, that's a Thursday evening, 6 to 8.30 p.m. Um, and we also have Wednesday, September 22nd, and that'll be a, a an afternoon. That'll be a 3 o'clock to 5.30 p.m. Both are going to be at the in our home offices in Middlebrook Heights. You know, we're on uh, 16600 Sprague Road, Interstate Plaza Building, and we have conference rooms in there. That's where both are going to be held because we can control the setting. And, you know, we look forward and we'll, we'll see, you know, again, if, if you're ready to get out, if you're ready to, to start, if you're in that position where you're thinking, hey, I want to kind of know if I can retire. I want to know with all this news out there, are we going to be able to, you know, does it matter to me? Do I need to be worried about rising taxes? Do I need to be worried about a, a economic downturn do i need to be worried about a stock market crash that's all the noise out there right um but again what what you really need to do in our opinion is to build a financial model where it's based on your goals your objectives and your assumptions and we always coach our clients about when you're making assumptions you always want to keep two parameters in mind. One is that it's conservative, and the second one is that it's realistic. And as long as you 
you know, can keep those both parameters in mind. And before you book the assumption that you can verify or confirm that, yes, number one, it's conservative. And two, yes, it's realistic. Now you can say, well, Mark, what is an, what is a conservative assumption that's not realistic? I could give you many examples, but probably the most common one that we talk about is the baby boomer who says, Mark, I can never retire. In other words, my plan is to work forever. Now, they don't really mean that, you know, but they mean they're not looking to get out at the traditional 65 or even 70. Some are saying, I've got to work till 75, 80. I don't know. Now, in their minds, they may be saying that's a conservative assumption, meaning that they're being conservative because they're not saying they're going to retire too early. But I don't know how realistic that is. That may be a false sense of security. If you're building a financial plan, a financial model that assumes that you're going to have your current wages till you're 70 years old or 75. As a matter of fact, the later you, you put the stake out, the less realistic it really is, even though you think it's the more conservative it is. So that's just one of those examples. So if you would like to come to the classes, you can either call. So here's our, our home phone number is 440. 440- Two three nine two zero nine zero. That's four four zero two three nine twenty ninety. Or you can visit our website financialfoodforthought.com. It's just one string financialfoodforthought.com, and there'll be buttons on there. You can also listen to podcasts of these previous radio shows. You can also sign up for a free consultation if you can't attend the classes. You can certainly come in for a free consultation. Again, we can do those in person or remotely, whatever you're comfortable at. And you can sign up for a free consultation on the website, or you can just call 440-239-2090, leave a message. We are, you know, again, some will get back to you on Tuesday morning after the Labor Day weekend. And you're listening to Mark Donnelly, and this is Financial Food for Thought. It's brought to you by the estate planning team, and the estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years. And over those decades, we have certainly built a lot of retirement plans. We've had to model in a lot of economic downturns. And we actually recommend that if you want to really... Well, let me put it this way. Over those decades, we found that too many people make knee-jerk reactions to negative headlines. And they really have no way of measuring if whatever the headline is saying it's going to happen, would it really affect them like the higher tax rates, for example? Well, if the Democrats keep saying no one under $400,000 is going to be affected. Are you really worried about that? But the other thing, too, is they, they make a knee-jerk reaction because they have no really way of measuring if that downside does happen, how it affects the longevity of their plan. And, and that's what we try to help our clients understand. So before you make a knee-jerk reaction, you actually run data, run models that says, let's, let's build a plan. If assuming that bad thing does happen and, and if it does happen, am I going to be still okay? It's, it's a different uh, approach than just asking your neighbor if, if, if they're worried about inflation, you know, you really have to sharpen your own elbows and figure out if we do have higher inflation, is it transitory? Is it longer than transitory? If we do have a stock market crash, I, here's some, I, I read some headlines last week. There's no shortage of, of stock market crash headlines. History suggests a stock market crash is likely. Five data points that concern us. America is headed for a market crash. Washington deserves the blame. Markets record price action is mimicking late 1999 and it could spark a 10 to 20% correction. Former Fed official warns of urgent threat of another financial crisis. I could go on and on and on. So 
if you're concerned, then the approach is, all right, let's try to build a model that, and sometimes we call that plan R. In other words, plan A is your current financial model based on what you're currently thinking, what you're currently experiencing, and perhaps historical types of da- of data that you believe is going to repeat itself over the long term. But just for fun, and, and we assume that plan A is working, because quite frankly, now by working, we're meaning that the plan model is showing you you're not running out of money before life, based on where you put your longevity at. You know, again, don't ask your coworker how long they're going to live. You've got to say, you know, what's your peace of mind? Is that age 90, 95? Do I hear 100? Now, so plan A, we assume is working because quite frankly, if plan A isn't working, you haven't done plan A yet. You're still in the building. You still have to manipulate the numbers to get plan A to be working. Now, let's say plan A is working. Now, from there, now we, just for fun, we may run a plan R. And plan R is for recession or recovery or the Rona plan. The the idea is saying, now I'm going to run an identical model. I'm going to keep all the assumptions the same, meaning my retirement date, um, the, the amount of grocery bills I'm spending, you know, the, the utility costs, you know, keeping most of the assumptions the same, but I'm going to add in this negative effect, whether that be higher inflation, a stock market crash, a recession, a higher tax rate. If you're in that group, that's over 400,000. All right. And now you say, okay, am I still going to be okay under plan R? And a lot of people will be. Maybe some people won't be, but the idea, if you're no longer covered, if plan R is now not working, that leaves you in a decision-making mode because now you say, okay, now I can go back and say, how am I going to get back on track? Because this economic event is derailing my retirement plan. So how do I get back on track? Does that mean do I need to postpone my retirement? Does that mean I have to think of an encore career? Because, Mark, I just can't go back to the 60-hour dog day work week. I, I can't do it, especially if I have to wear a mask. Okay, I get that. All right, So, and the company's not letting me work from home anymore. Okay, so what about an encore career? In other words, you got to get out of the rat race, but you know you can't just sit home at the couch. Financially, I'm saying you can't do that. Um, so you say, okay, how much of an encore career? Do I need to work for two more years full-time? Is it three years part-time? That's the type of detail that we can crunch with these models. And so it, it, it helps you get a, a, you know, your arms around the situation. Now, some of you saying, I'm not, I, I don't have a job to go back to, Mark, or I've already retired. So what am I supposed to do? My plan wasn't to go back to work. Okay, so now for that group, we need to talk about, well, what type of discretionary spending can we cut back on? See, when we build a financial model, if you're doing it this home, you want to make sure that you don't bury all your expenses into one category because that's not really going to help you in reality. What, what, What gives you a lot more planning power is if you break down your spending. What is mandatory spending? What is discretionary spending? And because when we have a client who needs to cut back on spending, well, then we don't start with the mandatory spending. That a lot of time, you, I mean, you just can't say your real estate taxes are going down. But we do say we have broken out all their discretionary spending, and that's where we start. And say, okay, you, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Client, you had assumed you were going to spend $7,000 a year on travel for the first 10 years in your retirement, the golden years. Well, because we've had this Delta dip variant uh, recession or, and we had a stock market crash right in the month you retired, all right, we can't, we, we you know, that's going to look too expensive. So, Okay, that doesn't mean we're saying you can't do any travel. 
I'm just using travel as an example. Could be many, any of the other discretionary spending, gifting, what have you. But the idea is saying, no, I want to know, Mark, how much I need to cut back on that. Can I do 7000 a year for five years? Can I do $3,000 a year for 10 years? You know, that's the type of detail. That's the idea. It's not a light switch on or off. It's more of the dimmer and brighter, you know, the, the thing of the dimmer switch and the brighter switch. You can turn it up if things are running pretty good. You know, you can turn it down if things are running and, and you're dialing in and out of what discretionary spending. So now you're looking at that over the longevity and now are you back on track? Well, that's the type of approach we take. All right. Now, so we've had this. Let's string some of the things together. So we had the lackluster jobs data this week, right? And a lot of people are shaking their heads, scratching their heads, I should say, and, and saying, why? Where are the workers? Why aren't the workers filling the job, wanted positions? Why, why do we only have, you know, 250,000 of non, you know, new non-farm payrolls? Well, it, nobody really knows the answer. There's a lot of people who think they know, or, you know, there's a lot of, potentials out there so i heard martin walsh he is the um secretary of labor he was being interviewed on bloomberg this week by john farrow and that was john farrow's question to the secretary of labor what's holding back the labor supply i don't get it um and he blamed it on delta variant and you know saying yeah that that that's what he thinks it is now I don't know. We thought that back to school meant that a lot of moms were going back to work. Well, we went back to school in August. Now, granted, a lot of people haven't gone back to school yet, but a lot of people did go back to school. But yet we saw with the August jobs report, a lot of moms didn't go back to work. Hmm. Um, now, a lot of people are saying, well, the reason why people haven't gone back to work yet is because they're still collecting those federal unemployment checks on top of the state unemployment checks. Well, guess what? That runs out on Labor Day on Monday. That's over. The federal extra unemployment benefits over. As a matter of fact, it's going to be one of the, the biggest cliffs in terms of unemployment checks running out in, in other words, p- unemployed people who are n- going to be cut off from unemployment checks that we've ever had. And, and there's a lot of you know, people that are saying that could derail the economy. So there's a lot of people worried about that. But a lot of people also say that will get a lot of people back to work. So we'll see. We'll see if that affects things. So... We don't know. And then, of course, we have the great resignation, which I was just you know, referring to, that we, we've now, I think, come to the conclusion that a lot of people who were unemployed or sh- you know, shut down at home during the virus shutdown, they ain't coming back to work. They're done. So who's going to replace those jobs? Because a lot of times the problem is these, those may, if, if it's the elder baby boomer who is not deciding not to go back to work, that job can't be filled by the, you know, 16 year old who doesn't have the skill set. So the question is who is going to, who maybe we don't have anybody to fill those jobs. Um, That's the problem, right? Now, the other thing, that this kind of can string into is the social security because a lot of people, we got some calls and we've got some information about the solvency of social security. And it's, it's nothing new. So we had the social security and Medicare trustees come out with their annual statement on the health or the financial solvency of social security and medicare and they've been doing this for a long long time it's a fact if you're still getting 
Social Security benefit statements. Sometimes it's they re- recap their position, their current position on that as well. And but a lot of people were upset about it because they the headlines that you read was that Social Security won't be able to pay full benefits by 2034, a year earlier than expected due to the pandemic. So the Rona also is apparently ruining Social Security. Now, that's partly because of this labor shortage, right? Because what the trustees are saying is that there are so many people unemployed that they're not collecting the payroll taxes on those people. And that's been such a dip that that's having an effect on the longevity projections. All right. Now, this is something, as I said, not new. They've, they've always been, it's always been juggling around 2034, 2035, 2033. It's for the last probably five to 10 years, it's always been in that range. So in, in one sense, you're saying, well, okay, one year, it's a year. Last year was a year longer. This year, it's a year shorter. But are we just, we're still bouncing around that number. Now, 2034, see, here's the problem. In Washington, you know, Capitol Hill, that's a, that's a century away. They're not worried about things that could happen in 2034. All right. They're worried about things that can happen in the next 34 minutes. And the next soundbite that they can get on CNN. So because this issue, they have not really addressed this issue at all. And it's not like the trustees haven't been warning about this for a long, long time. Now, what scares me more than the Social Security running out and, and not running out, I shouldn't say that. The idea is that they're saying by that time, the combined trust funds for Social Security and Medicare will be depleted and will be able to pay only 78% in the promised benefits. All right. So you could extrapolate that's a 22% cut in your promised benefits. Now, that's a combined. So, so this is the part that scares me more. Part of that is when the trust fund for Medicare Part A becomes depleted or it starts, you know, being, re, you know, reduced. That's proposed to happen much sooner than 2034. So the trust fund for Medicare Part A, which covers hospital and nursing home costs for seniors, will be depleted by 2026. Okay, they said that's the same year as reported last year. And at that point, the program would only be able to pay out 91% of the promised benefits. See, to me, and I've always said on this show, and I've always told our new clients, to me, the Medicare risk is, is a lot greater than the Social Security income risk, in my opinion. And, and, the, and partly the reason being is because I still think that the Social Security income is an easy fix. All right, because the Social Security, it's like a zero-sum game. They know how much benefits that they've promised out to retirees, and they know how much Social Security income taxes they're collecting. And they know what, and they can control the Social Security income tax rate, the payroll tax rate. Now, you could say, well, Mark, they can do the same thing with Medicare, but, but here's the thing. The unknown with the health industry is how sick we're all or not going to be and how long we all are we're not going to live. And there's a lot more unknowns in that, in my opinion. You know, In other words, how many operations are we going to need before we die? How many, uh, you know, how many hip replacements? How many... Uh, you, you know, eye shots to, to, to help with the macular degeneration, you know, all these, how many hearing aids, how many, you know, how many, you know, all these elder illnesses, you know, if, if we're living longer and, and we have this baby boomer wave where there's going to be so many more people in that 65 plus living category and what is, and everybody goes on Medicare at 65, you know, how is that going to drain out? Now, 
What about, so medic, and, and they specifically said Medicare Part A. Now that's the one right now, of course, that there's no premium for. You've already paid for that with your payroll taxes during your working career. Now they say the Medicare B and the Medicare Part D, which is the government's prescription drug plan, they, again, they could control that more. They're not as worried about that because they can tax. That's, there is premiums for that. I call it a tax. It's not a tax. Most of my clients feel like it's a tax, but it's a premium. All right. And we're anxiously waiting to see what the new Medicare B premiums and Medicare D premiums will be for 2022. Because, you know, we know we've been promised that the Social Security increase is going to be one of the largest cost of living increases ever projected to be 6%. But they haven't told us the bad news is what the new Medicare B premiums are going to be. Usually they come out with that around Thanksgiving. So you you have this idea that, all right, we've got these, all these unemployed people. A lot of them we realizing may never go back to work. There's less payroll taxes being collected. That's what's saying, uh Oh, it's going to run out. It's going to hurt social security. Now, I still think the way they're going to solve the Social Security is by raising taxes, either by raising the cap, which is, you know, the amount that you pay Social Security tax on, or by raising the tax rate. And they could also raise the full retirement age benefit, you know, from the current 67 for the younger generations that may be raised out further. But I don't think they're going to start by slashing retirees benefits by 22 to 25%. I, I, I think that's political suicide, quite frankly, because I don't know how many current seed, seated politicians, whether in the Congress and or the Senate, are going to be re-voted in when they go back to the constituents and admit that they voted to cut their Social Security benefits. That's not going to be too popular with the voting class. And we, one thing we know about retirees in this country is that they vote. Now, but here's the point. It doesn't matter what I think or what I say. The, the, the point is, if you are concerned about this, what are you going to do? Just sit home and talk about it? Or are you going to do something about it? Now, Mark, what are you going to say? Well, 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 what can I do about it? Well, it's, it, the, I, what I'm saying is, are you at a point where you, no matter how many times I tell you or any other professional tells you or any headline you're reading is that the way they're going to solve the social security dilemma is not by cutting benefits of retirees, but by raising taxes on those who are working, by the way, if you're retired, raising taxes on those working doesn't really affect you. Now, what are maybe some of the solutions going to be? I don't know. Um, I do think a lot of people think that if there, if we can't get enough people to fill these jobs, that the robots, the, you know, the, the, the companies are going to turn to AI and the, and, the, and, the, and the robots to to fill these positions. That may happen. You know, if, if we do have, uh, you know, if, if we do have the Skynet solution where all these robots are going to be replacing the, the, the baby boomers who are retiring or what have you, here's the problem. Yes, granted, the robots aren't going to collect Social Security benefits, but also the robots right now aren't paying any payroll taxes. See, I always said on this show, I think, literally, I think if robots do replace, the, the uh, become a major replacement of, of human workers, I think the robots are going to have to pay payroll taxes. Because I don't know how else they're going to keep that base going, if they're if they're expecting humans to to you know man those positions. But but my point, but that's you know that's crystal balling it. But let's get back to what I mean by what you can do. By you can sit home and worry about it and complain about it, or you can take a, a, a an active movement and say, Mark, that's what I want my plan R to be. I want to go back into my plan A where we assume that I'm going to get my full Social Security benefit 
based on the current benefit projections. But now I want to build a plan R and I want to slash those by 22 or 25% just to see if I take that hit later on, does that materially affect the longevity of my financial plan? Now, isn't that an interesting concept? So that's what I mean by not just sitting at home and talking about it because you're not going to believe what I tell you anyways. You may believe, you know, you, you're going to believe what you want to believe. But what I'm saying is let's put both our beliefs aside. Let's run a model to say, if that does happen, do I have to be worried about it? Do I have to adjust my retirement date or adjust my discretionary spending in retirement? Or am I still going to be okay? That's what we try to get with our financial modeling. All right, so if you are thinking maybe it's time to run a plan R, and maybe that R could stand for you want to build in a Social Security income reduction, that's what we can help you with. So you can call us, the estate planning team. My name is Mark Donnelly. Carrie Waddell will be back with me next week. Our phone number is 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. If you'd like to attend our classes, yes, we're starting our classes up again. First one is going to be September 16th. That's a Thursday evening, 6 to 8.30 p.m. at our Middlebrook Heights office. We also have a class scheduled for Wednesday, September 22nd. That's a 3 p.m. start to 5.30 p.m. Get you home for dinner. Also at our Middlebrook Heights office. We're, going to be, we're only going to be doing our classes at our Middlebrook Heights office here and we'll see how they go. And that's going to be a class that we're going to be concentrating on IRA and Roth IRA planning. We'll be going all over the rules of required minimum distributions. We'll be talking about the SECURE Act changes and what Congress is talking about in the SECURE Act 2 changes that may be coming down the line. And... We're talking about the lost Labor Day weekend, and a lot of people's Labor Day weekend certainly was ruined by Hurricane Ida. Amazingly, 16 days to the day after Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans. But the interesting, not only the New Orleans, it's the flooding that happened in New York City. Poor Kathy Hochul. You know, she's the new, <laughs> with Como's exit, she's now the governor. I didn't think she would be thinking about dealing with flooded out New York City in her first month of taking over. And what financial cost burden is this going to put on an already, you know, what some people think is a Delta dip, perhaps recession coming? The death toll alone, I think it's up to 50 maybe when you add in Louisiana and the East Coast. Maybe 50 to $60 billion. I mean, I think that is going to raise dramatically. They said they're in New York City, there are 500 vehicles that were just abandoned or floating away. In New Orleans, what, there was a million people without power and perhaps for weeks? President Biden was pleading with the private insurers to say, please help pay up. Don't, you know, approve the claims. Don't try to get out of this. You think, you know, you think you've got problems worried about a potential Social Security cut. How about if you just saw your automobile float away? How about if you saw your first floor apartment get flooded up to your chest while you were waiting to try to get your children out? That's what happened to Sophie Lou. She said she tried using towels and garbage bags to stop the water coming into her first floor New York City apartment. 
but the flood rose to her chest in about a half hour. She roused her son from bed, put him in a life jacket and an inflatable swimming ring. Quick thinking, Mom. That is quick thinking. And, and she tried then to get out, and the door was stuck. I was obviously scared, she says, but I had to be strong for my son. I had to calm him down. Finally, with the help of some friends that she got to help her, they could get the door pried open and they could get out to safety. Unfortunately, some of her neighbors just down the street didn't get out. And she saw the medical examiners removing the bodies. So that is something that you can look at what is going to disrupt your life. And that is a catastrophic event. And that is something that does happen. But again, you can't really plan for those situations. Now, a lot of times when we have those situations, and, and that's a dramatic one, and that may be a once-in-a-century type of storm. And you say, well, Mark, well, that, I don't need, how do I plan that? Well, no, you don't plan that. But how bad could your plan R be? What is the worst-case scenario? Sometimes we, it's the, it's the client who's saying, Mark, you know, the, the other reason why it's dangerous, just assume that you can work forever is that you might not be offered a job forever. And that sometimes, or sometimes you thought you had a job, not forever, but at least for the next five years. And then you get the notice that you don't. Or it could be a situation where you're thinking about walking away. You're not quite sure if you can financially pull the trigger. But you get word that your company is going to be offering a pre-retirement package. And you need to be in a position that, you know, do you have the financial wherewithal to to take that information and work it into a financial model to say, Hey, if I take this early retirement package, am I, can I swing it? So over the decades, we've helped a lot of clients out on that. So again, if you want a free consultation, you can call us at 440-239-2090. If you want to sign up for one of our classes coming up, on September, that's September 16th and September 22nd. You can go to our website, financialfoodforthought.com, or you can call our number. And uh, everybody hang in there, and we'll talk to you next week. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.